0: Welcome back to Sharp Stats, your number one Yankees analytics podcast. It's unrivaled. It's unquestionable. I will be your wedding MC this evening. I am talking Jake. I am joined by, you know her, you're going to tweet at her, because we always tweet at her and we thank her, the queen of stats, KT Sharp, we're joined by John Boy, and we're talking about... Some of our favorite topics today. We've got some guardy stats, so you know me and John are going to be rolling. Uh, we've got some some hints towards the opener. We've got all the goods today. First, we'll go around the horn six four three
1: to the queen herself, Katie Sharp. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing good, thanks, Jake. No yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm I'm doing my best to try and avoid these dog days of August, and I think you know playing the Orioles. Um, definitely helps. And hearing Gary Thorne's uh, home run calls uh, for Gleyber Torres bombs is is awesome. Um, so, uh, so yeah, obviously doing pretty good, given what the Yankees have been doing the past week. And uh, I'm just ready. I'm really fired up. I don't know why, but um, but yeah.
2: Are you a little bit jealous that you're not an Orioles fan and you can't deep dive into what's going on and what's wrong with them?
1: Uh there is not one inch of my body that has any sort of jealousy related to that um, i The only jealousy would be that i don't get to listen to Gary Thorne every day because I think he 's a fantastic announcer just just in general um and um and maybe the fact that i don 't get you know that I don't have the chance to go to Camden Yards, which is a terrific ballpark. Yeah, um, Camden Yards but, is really nice. But other than that, no, uh, not nothing. Not one, not one ounce of my body is uh is jealous.
0: Yeah, we we stumbled down the Gary Thorne road the other day because he really is a great, great baseball voice, great hockey voice too. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a great voice. How about that? I I don't have the he's, right to. I I don't have I don't have great- the right to pin Gary. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a great guy, too. I mean, not not dropping names, but I did actually work with him a bit when I was at ESPN. I I just had to put it out there just so people know that he is sincerely (laughs) a great guy um, and uh, tells fantastic stories and and really just really engaging and friendly to everybody, even a little researcher like me um, when I worked with him. So anyways, that's the uh, the talking Orioles part of our show, I guess. Yeah, yeah, love when
0: we do our talking host segment. Katie, at first I thought you were going to say, I just wanted everyone to know, and then I thought you were going to say, like, flex on them that I was at ESPN. No, it was just a very genuinely nice comp- compliment to Gary Thorne. Yeah. So we thank you for that. Jimmer Fredette, how you doing, big guy? You're good. You look good. Thank you.
2: Jake, we've been doing the same thing with our hats, no hats, And it's getting strange. If you show up with the L. Gary hat on, I have it on. If you show up with no hat on, I have no hat on. We're like synced up headwear wise. Some people in the pregame show were talking about it today. Like, do you guys plan your headwear? I was like, no, we're just on a really bizarre schedule. So I just wanted to let you know, Jake, can you try to like avoid this?
0: Not, not to do our first weird deep dive of the show, but it might be a forehead acne thing. Like every time the backwards hat starts getting the forehead acne going. And welcome to Sharp Stats. We're starting over. Uh, thank you for joining us. No, but that's... A, all right, Jimmy, I will keep an eye out for the hats. Katie Sharp rocking the Yankee hat today. So she's... Yeah. She's our hat representative. And Katie's talk-and-yank sweater. Some, someone on the team with one of yeah. the more bulbous domes Talking that cannot you. be contained by hat, by any hat, and cannot be contained on the baseball fields for, what, two months now? Brett Gardner, one of me and John's openly favorites. I think he's one of your favorites too, Katie. So we can we can get uh we we can get some of our biases out there, and let's be honest. And I, I think maybe it's where we should start. There was a scary year slash year in a couple months with Brett Gardner, where we were against the wall saying, "Well, you know, he brings it in the clubhouse. He's showing these young guys intensity." And the numbers weren't really there, Katie. He had a rough last year. He had a tough start to this season. And we did have our concerns. What was going to be next? We, earlier in sharp stats, I think we sorted through some of those numbers to find out that Brett, among center fielders, which he was playing mostly to start the year, was actually doing pretty well. I think he had a lot of top 10 center fielder stats. Katie, since then, he's just playing good baseball. Not center field, not old men. Just good baseball. So, Katie, wherever you want to start with it and wherever you want to land with it.
1: Yeah. Um, I want the, what I want to start with is just this fact that, I mean, it just kind of blows my mind that Gardner is on pace to have the best season of his career, the best season of his career at the age of 35 if you think about that and this is not like a small sample season either it's not like he's you know a platoon guy or he's playing you know two days two or three days a week at the end of his career right that's this what we were, a- we were hoping we were hoping to be like I mean,
2: guard he's platooning that's why he's doing so well
1: no he this guy's playing every day he's got a, i think almost 400 he had about 400 plate appearances as of tuesday um and he's played a you know, nearly. I think it's more than half of his games have been in center field, so it's not like he's just been stuck in the corners. Um, and literally, he is 35 years old, about to put up the best numbers, and that is even when you adjust for this juiced ball season that we're seeing. And we know it. We know it exists. So um, I'm I'm t- sort of taking his raw stats at face value, although I will come back to them at one point um, for a fun little fact. Um, but Even when you adjust for what's happening with uh, the offense this year, he is on pace to have his best season. And I'll put that in in, with some numbers. Um, The raw stats, obviously, I mentioned 490 slugging, 232 isolated power, 828 OPS, and a 346 WOBA. Those are all sort of all-encompassing power numbers on pace to be the best of his career. His OPS+, plus, which is the adjusted number, so that's adjusting for this, this offensive era. Um, is 118 also going to be the best of his career? And his weighted runs created plus, which um, is it also adjusted. That's like a WOBA, adjusted WOBA. Um, 115, that's also the best of his career. That means he's 15% better than a, uh, ben- than a league average player, which is pretty damn good. Um, so all these stats, the best of his career at the age of 35. Um, And the other thing that is really surprising is he's still maintaining his awesome above-average walk rate, about 10 to 11%. His strikeout rate is as low as ever. Um, Actually, it would be the second lowest um, since he became a full-time player in 2010. So he only had one season with a better strikeout rate since then. And his pitches per plate appearances also would be his uh, his third best since... uh, you know, since, since he became a full-time player. Um, so we know what Guardi does. He takes his walks. He doesn't strike out. He works pitchers. And now he's basically hitting for the best power of his career, even when you adjust for the juiced ball. And he's put and basically putting it all together. Um, as I, you know, as I like to put it at, uh, at the age of 35, which I think is pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, the one thing I do want to mention is this is all coming with the fact that he is not experiencing yet. As we'll, we'll say, hopefully, um, a second half decline, which we know has been sort of the hallmark of his career. The sort of the the little the blotch on his uh, on his career stats is that, and it, and the stats show it. It's over a long period of time, so it's not really a small sample. He declined significantly in the second half, um, but this year. His numbers are absolutely better in the second half. I'll just throw them out there for you. 309, this is a batting average, you know, triple slash line. 309, 382 OBP, 574 slugging in the second half. First half, 246 batting average, 328 OBP, 470 slugging. So those are significantly better numbers in the first half would be probably his best ever for, I mean, excuse me, in the second half would probably be his, would be his best ever for a second half, obviously. Um, and uh, so I think that, you know, he's he's doing his, I think maybe it's the, the DL stint that he did have sort of at the end of July, I think it was. Maybe that sort of um, refreshed him or, or whatever. But as you mentioned, he's been really raking actually since the middle of June.
2: Yeah. Um, the one thing I wanted to touch on, Is the OPS plus because the most common thing you see is oh yeah the juice ball has rejuvenated his career, Uh, the juice ball is making him a good player. Well, when the OPS plus to break it down for dumb people like me, when compared to other people that are also benefiting from the juice ball, Gardner is still performing very well.
1: Yes, he's still. 18% 18% better than the league average, and he's still... And this also goes back to... You can compare it to Gardner in, like, 2012, too, because it compares across different years as mm-hmm. as well as in different parks and everything. Um, so, yeah, so it's absolutely... Uh, it's incredible.
2: Yeah, it's nuts. And the second half regression, that's the other thing. At the end of the first half, You know, I was like, hey, Gardy's been really good this year. Fangraphs wrote an article about him. Like, Gardy's having on pace for a really good year. And everyone was like, wait till the second half. And I was like, one, a bad second half doesn't make what I'm saying untrue. He's been good so far. So you can't just say that. Like, you have to acknowledge what he's done up to this point. And so far, he's been really good. Second half regression always comes. He never goes on a DL stint, IL stint. And he just did that. So maybe that does give him some you know fresh breath and and breathing room to n- not have that second half regression and hopefully eventually we still turn him into a platoon player.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean you'd like to, but um but the way he's been the way he's been performing since that mid-June has been just I mean it's 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 worthy of a starting spot every day. Um and uh you know I just kind of I and I remember back in, in April and May when we were worried about him and that we had a good reason to. Uh, so what I did is I looked up, I sort of found his low point, And I know you can cherry pick dates and, and whatnot, but it really, I think, points to something on, on June 8th. He went 0 for 4. It was a game in in Cleveland or you know versus Cleveland or something. And his OPS actually dropped below 700. It was the last time actually that he his OPS has dropped below 700 this season. But at that point, he was hitting 246, a 328 on base, which is really unheard of. You know, really bad for Gardner, and a a 470 slugging, which you know props up the, the overall OPS numbers a little bit because he was still popping a few homers at that point. Um... But overall, he was having a – or oh, actually, he was even worse. Um, I'll bring up those numbers again. Sorry about that. Um, he was at 217 batting average, a 293 OB, OBP. So that's terrible for Gardner. This is all through June 8th and a 406 slugging. So not, not terrible. But, um, but, yeah, he was, he was legitimately bad um, for the first two, two-and-a-half months. So that's through June 8th. Since then, this is his mark uh, 167 plate appearances as we're speaking here on uh, on Tuesday, a 315 batting average, a 401 on base, and a 610 slugging. That's a 1.011 OPS for basically more than two months now um, that we're seeing this uh, over 160 plus plate appearances. All of those. Those are like top ten, top fifteen marks in major league baseball. Um so mm. he's not just a good center fielder, as you mentioned before, Jake. He's a top ten, top fifteen player over the last two plus months.
0: And Katie, I'll I, you know, I'm a visual learner and I'll I'll try to make it more visual. Well A, couldn't believe I I remembered this correctly, but the Brett Gardner bottoming out point ah. was that wrote. That road trip at Cleveland, the, C- the Stephen Tarpley save game uh, is when he started getting it going again. He hit a home run, and he was in a bad slump that series, and he hit a couple balls that would have been out at the stadium, and then he finally got one at Cleveland, and that kind of got him going. But, Katie, I know Jimmy and I have had a lot of fun with the one dot lately, so A, <laughs> so glad to have you on that team. Yes, B, I,
1: you, can, you can tell that I do listen to other podcasts by you guys, so yes, <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's thank evidence you.
0: And I, I think the the visual that I want to give people that I, I think, you know, it's going to make some people's next Twitch because they're not going to be able to compute it. But basically what you just said was for two months, Brett Gardner has basically been playing at a similar level to 2017 Aaron Judge. That's what exactly. a one dot OPS is. So yep. there's people out there like I again, pull over the car. Get the cup of coffee away from your computer for two months. Brett Gardner has been playing at a seventeen judge level, and i don't again I don't think people can compute that and I kind of can either Katie,
1: yeah, because you don't I think the reason is you don't really notice it because he's i mean yes, he hustles and he's got the grit and he's flashy in that way, but he's not flashy in the in the Aaron judge way of hitting five hundred foot home runs that are you know 115 miles per hour off the bat? Um, he's getting those doubles. He's getting triples. He's hitting home runs that are just like screaming line drives. That you know maybe you know it helps him the short porch, um, but still they go over the fence if they're home runs. Um, and so I think that that's why people don't realize that he's been playing at such a high level over the last two months. But over those those two months, what I said, he has 46 hits. And almost half of those are for extra bases. Um, so that's that's pretty damn good. And what I really noticed um, in the difference, and there's a probably a ton of different things that he's doing differently, but one that I really wanted to hone in on is the fact that he's, you know, his peripherals really haven't changed. So he was sort of still the same gardener before his, his strikeout rate um, and his walk radar, pretty much contact rate are about the same as they were, um, you know, in the first two months, but what he's doing, and I think this kind of, uh, is a, is a testament to the fact that he is fresh and that he is maintaining his strength and everything, um, in the second half, he's not wearing down is that he is basically getting the barrel on the ball in that sweet spot a lot more often in the sec, um, since June 9th. Um, so the way that I kind of want to, want to put this into perspective and put some stats to it. Um, first of all, we have a stat called sweet spot percentage. Um, uh, and it's defined on Statcast as sort of like the optimal launch angle. When you hit the ball, it doesn't really care how hard you hit the ball. It's just the launch angle that you hit the ball at. And his sweet spot percentage, that's of, you know, percent of batted balls that he hits in this sweet spot launch angle, has increased from 24% to 39%. So 24% before June 9th, 39% since then. Um, And that does come with sort of a little bit, you know, a moderate increase in hard hit rate. So he is hitting the ball harder as well. But I think what it is is that he is just seeing the ball well. I don't know what it is, but he's getting the sweet spot on the barrel of the ball a lot more often. And what that has done um, and sort of the results of that is that his ground ball rate has fallen from 50% to 42%. And his fly ball and line drive rate has increased about by about the same number uh, from about 39% to 45%. So fewer ground balls, more balls in the air. But the the important thing is here, I mean, you can have balls hit in the air and they can just... Be cans of corn or or whatever, or easy outs to the outfield. What he's doing because of this, you know, his ability to to hit that sweet spot more often, is that he's hitting a lot more line drives and a lot fewer what I want to call lazy fly balls. So he's basically what he's done is he's actually decreased the launch angle on his fly balls and line drives by about eight degrees, um, and that's really important for Guardy because. Some people like Aaron Judge, they can hit for a relatively high launch angle and still hit, like, lots of home runs and, and doubles or whatever because they have so much power, they have such a high exit velocity. But Guardy doesn't hit the ball hard enough to do that. So he really needs that optimal launch angle um, in order to get extra bases. Um, so the launch angle has dropped, and the exit velocity has increased as well on those fly balls and line drives. But this is the key stat that I really want to really hammer home is that, uh, so on StatCast, they have certain classifications for um, different types of contact on the batted balls. So what I did is I looked at his fly balls and line drives and kind of looked at the different types of contacts that he's hitting. One of those is, is what's called hit under. So it's, you know, it's what you would think. It's hitting, the, hitting under the ball. Um, and then the other one is basically just a weekly hit ball. So I looked at that combined percentage on his fly balls and line drives. And before June 9th, it was 60% of his fly balls and line drives were considered either hit under or weak, or probably both. And, you know, there's overlapping there. Since then, since June 9th, it's 27%. So he's cut that rate in half. Which is just a fancy way of saying is he's just hitting more missiles, hitting more lasers and less lazy fly ball outs um and I think that's really what's driving his power um you know even if you if you want to consider the juice ball or whatever, but he is just getting a lot better bat to the ball um and and hitting that sweet spot, and I think that that's uh you know. You know, that's kind of a testament to the fact that he isn't wearing down. He's seeing the ball well still, and he, he hasn't really regressed in that second half. And this is one, probably the biggest reason why he hasn't.
2: Yeah, I wonder if it has to do with injuries from last year. Uh, you know, if they say he was pretty banged up. If he didn't have his legs under him, so he's all mm-hmm. arms, and maybe that's why he couldn't really drive the ball. And he was making that weak contact or getting under it or something along those lines because I think he's healthier. I think he was had a lot of stuff nagging him last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't discount the injuries. Um and that's kind of why I also I, I like to see that that you know that DL stint may have been the best thing for him. Even though he was hitting relatively well before it, um but to be able to rest his legs for those it was only about a 10 day, you know. I think he was Yeah, but maybe that's like
2: he said he could play during it. And maybe mm-hmm. last year, because it was Shane Robinsons show, they were like, "You have to play. Yeah. We can't allow you yeah. to rest." And this year, they're like, "You know what? Take 10 days off, Brett? No, you know like you you need 10 days off. Last year, we couldn't give you this because everyone was banged up. maybe that went a long way. I wanted to yeah. step away from the stats of Guardy this year before we move on. And in 2017, when I started like you know actively tweeting and being part of this, I nicknamed him the Pulse." So, he's the pulse of the team right now because he was the old guy with a bunch of young guys. Judge, Gary, they're all rookies in 17. Made shirts. Go to shop.talkingtunnings.com to get a pulse shirt. Last year, it didn't feel like that. And then they traded for Kutch. And Gary didn't start in the wild card game. And it didn't feel like he was as involved on the bench and such like a vocal guy. This year, he's all over the place. He's, he was part of the Savage ejection. He just got ejected for saying nothing. He's banging his bat a lot. Uh, he's hitting, like, triples and screaming. So I think, like, even his, like, leadership just seems to come with having better results. He just seems way more active and involved and kind of like the pulse of the lineup again.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think that those things are, are definitely related, Um the fact that he feels like he is contributing more on the field um and he's contributing you know to the overall you know the intangibles um i think those things are are definitely related and uh and it, it's good to see for gardy um last year was a struggle last year it was tough to watch um and hopefully that this year he's going to he's going to go out with a bang i think
0: yeah and kind kind of putting a tie on it the the one thing that we won't be able to get an answer on until we we corner Brett, which maybe we will soon, but that the loft the the in sw- his swing path, I wonder if that's something he worked on. Because Katie, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but eight degrees difference—that's very significant, right?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a big drop in average launch angle, um, and the fact that it was going from thirty degrees. Which is well, I mean it's at the high end of what you wanna do if you want to really hit home runs, um but that's only good for guys like I said, like aaron judge twenty two is pretty optimal um for hitting like for hitting home runs for guardy for a guy like Guardy and for getting extra bases um It's not quite you know what you you know what you wanna see but it's uh, it's it's definitely a significant, um, definitely a significant drop, and I think it's benefiting Guardia, you know, obviously because he's more of a line drive hitter. We know that, um, yeah. and he's uh, it doesn't doesn't make sense for him to try to hit those, to hit to hit it high in the really high in the air.
0: Yeah, and I I just wonder if that's something he's worked on or if this year has just yeah. come together or, or what it is that that would be interesting to to look into a little bit. And just to emphasize. He's going to play his most games in center field he's played since 2013 and he was 29 years old. Uh, I, he's, he's going to look like a baseball reference oddity when, when people go back and look and by the way, he turns 36 on August 24th so we've got a Guardy B day coming up so get get excited oh, yeah. for that people. Um, and where where Guardy does most of his work, God this this is a tight segue is at. Yankee Stadium, Katie, and that kind of leads us to our next topic, home field advantage. You you listen to the voicemail episode and we thank you. You know this has been digging into my head a little more than Jim. I I think I'm starting to get him to come over a little more. Although at the end of the day, you have to win four games in the series to advance.
2: Yeah, I think we're on the same page on this. I didn't think we were on different pages.
0: Oh, well, I I mean, I'm I'm like super high that home super high (laughs) always that home field advantage is huge for this team, just the way it's built. Um, Okay, I I didn't know we were we were equal on that. Sorry,
1: man.
2: I I agree. I just people are the people that are saying we're only going to win in the postseason if we get home field advantage. No. I'm not I'm not on that, but we should do everything we can to get home field advantage.
0: Yeah. And and I think the other thing that's been slightly calming me down, I mean, Houston itself is kind of a hitter's park with a with a right field porch you can get to either way. We want that home field advantage. And Katie. We've we've been taking care of things at home. We want to beat the Astros. What? what are you bringing to us about home field advantage and maybe the importance or or maybe things we're missing or something about the better teams we're playing at home or what?
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm on board with you guys home field advantage is is important. I think it's always important in baseball. Um, obviously teams play better at home. It's, 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 it's a fact. Um, And, uh, but you know, like Jimmy, like, uh, like John Boy said, you know, you got to win on the road too. And, and this Yankees team is built to do both. Um, I think that's the best, that's kind of one of the big takeaways. Um, uh, but they do, you know, home field advantage has been, has been a definitely a benefit for them this year as well. Um, so just kind of, I just wanted to start off at a really high level and then kind of break it down a little bit into a little bit more granular stuff, but at a very high level, um, they have, just overall, they have the fourth-best road record and the third-best home record. They're actually the only team that is in the top four of each of those. I like so, that. So, um, I mean, Houston and, and the Dodgers are both very good. I think they were maybe both top six or top seven in, in each of them. But the Yankees are actually only, the only team that's in the top four in, in each of those. So that's good. Um, and if you, if you look at the, uh, some of the stats – uh, just kind of like the the hitting splits and and everything the pitching splits for the Yankees you kind of notice that their home road hitting splits are basically the same um which which I you know that's that's very good then you you venture over to the pitching stats and you see there's a big big difference um The Yankees are much worse pitching on the road than they are pitching at home, which might be surprising to people.
2: Yeah, I find that Um, interesting.
1: But it's interesting um, and people are going to say, you know, hey, the London thing, that really screwed them on the road, right? No, if you take it, the London was 18 innings, right? Okay, you take out those 18 innings, they're still really bad on the road. Um, And uh, just some some of those stats, I mean, basically at home, they are top five in offense top five in, in pitching ERA on the road. This is just overall. Um, they have the best offense on the road in the majors right now. Um, but they have the third worst pitching ERA. Um, and that is even if you exclude, if you take out the two London games, they still have the third worst ERA, um, on the road. Um, so that's concerning. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but um, so then I kind of wanted to. So we got those numbers. Those are overall numbers. Yes, those mean something because it's a large sample. But really, you know, I kind of wanted to also then take the approach of, hey, we're not going to be able to play in Camden Yards in the playoffs, right? We're not going to be able to play against the Orioles. We're not going to be able to play against the Royals um, or whatnot. Yeah, damn, sucks. But again, Houston, they're not going to be able to play in against the Mariners they're not going to be able to play in Seattle or or you know against the Angels or in in LA um in the playoffs as well so what I did is I kind of broke some stuff down when just looking at uh stats against teams that are above 500 so just a high level just I wanted to do that for a high level for records so they are actually first in home games against uh, at home against teams with a winning record their record uh they're 23 and 7 right now i believe um but they're only 14th in road games a 14th best record in road games against uh teams with a winning record that's not great that's not a good stat um and it kind of goes back i think it's the pitching um to what i mentioned before and uh Then what I wanted to do is I said, okay, well, let's just kind of look at how they do against getting a little bit more down to the detailed stats, the pitching and not just the overall record, but the pitching and the batting against what I would deem good teams in the American League, because this is really where you want to hone in on how, you know, how do we compare? How does Houston compare to these good teams in the AL and basically, there's really a stratification in the AL of teams that are trying to win and teams that aren't. Um there's about seven teams. It's um let me pull them up the ones that I the ones that I did. Um it's the Indians, the Astros, the Yankees, the Twins, the A's, the Rays, and the Red Sox. Those are pretty much the teams in the AL that you want to compare yourself to.
0: You wanted um, to exclude the Red Sox, but I I'm, I'm proud of I you did, for that, I Katie. I'm I I did,
1: but I felt like I had to include them because they're gonna. They're not going away. I mean, they're gonna. They're, it's not like they're gonna start tanking. Um, they're it's they're not trying in their DNA. to. They're trying
0: to win. They're just doing a bad job of it.
1: Exactly. They Boom are doing roasted. a very bad job. Getting walked off. You know, in a bunch of games is, is not Twist good. Twist the knife. Um, yes. Uh, Carlos Santana. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, not because we'd prefer the Indians to lose, but um, but anyways. So what I did is I kind of just honed in on those what the performance of the Yankees and relative to the rest of the AL has done against those seven teams um, that are actually trying to win in the American League. And so what it came out it's not that different, um, but I thought it would just be kind of worth mentioning. They have the at home, the Yankees have the second best offense and the best ERA. So the best pitching um, when you just kind of hone in on those games. On the road, they actually have the worst pitching among AL teams against those teams, even when you exclude London, and the best offense. So it's just, I mean, I don't know how you explain that or what you say. Um, You just kind of hope that the offense is good enough to get over that, just what's been dreadful pitching on the road. Um, And I haven't, you know, really dug into it that much to figure out why, but those are just the things that I I came up with. So I think overall... Um, you know, I think we've seen what, what we have here. At home, they're really good on both sides of the ball. On the road, that pitching has been has been a problem, and that's what's caused, I think, their record um, to be so, so bad against the good teams uh, on the road.
0: I, I'm going to kick this right back to both of you. I don't know who wants it first, but I'm normally pretty good at thinking of an excuse, even if it's a bad excuse. What do we have for the road pitching? Because I I kind of got nothing right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know. I'm kind of shocked by know. that.
2: Just environment. The Yankees have good fans.
1: I That's don't my know. excuse
2: for Paxton sometimes, but he's not really doing that anymore. So I have no idea.
1: Is it? The, yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's there's a lot of in the travel, but but again, I'm comparing this to other teams, so it's not like it's just like you know everyone plays worse on their right. road, obviously right this is these are ranks against um when compared for other teams in the same situations um and so yeah. so yeah i, I mean Something i'm, I'm to trying about. to
0: wonder i mean the, the best bad excuse i've got is kind of the john boy theory where it's take care of your business at home and then kind of try to survive the road trips but i i don't know it i mean it hasn't fully felt like that vibe i mean sure we've had some getaway days and a couple punt days and things like that but that's uh, that's definitely worrisome. Um, I, I I don't know, I I don't know, Katie. Well, I mean, <laughs> tell, it, it is worrisome. Tell me something what, good.
1: <laughs> the only thing that's pop that's uh, propping that up is that we actually have a historically really good offense on the road. Um, and and uh, and so I think that a lot of I mean I think what we're doing is we're seeing it, and we have seen it in Minnesota. Um, we saw it even in Baltimore. Um, and that that that's not including you know the these that subset of of good teams, but you know we we won some slugfests on the road those fourteen twelve games in Minnesota. Um, a lot of times in in Boston we've won a couple slugfests as well. Um, so so yeah, so I can't explain it, but it does does make a little bit of sense that our offense just kind of goes off on the road, um, and and our pitching just kind of maybe lags behind and maybe gets a little bit. Con- Maybe it's a little bit of a complacency because we think our offense has been so good on the road, or I don't know. I can't explain it, um, but but that's those are the numbers that I ran, um, and so uh, so yeah.
0: Does that does uh, that raise your home field advantage meter at all,
2: John? It's up. I'm just not using it as an excuse. People are pigeonholing it as an excuse if we don't get home field advantage, and I'm avoiding those people.
0: Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't saying it in that way. I was just saying, does does that even add a little more of a tweak to it? Do, do, you think, do you think that's a wrench that is a carryover into the playoffs? Or do you think that's something like in the playoffs, you can't really use that as an excuse or reasoning because you're just going to be throwing your best guys, right?
2: I mean, if you're going into the playoffs thinking, well, we're going to lose on the road, I mean, that sucks for you. as, a, as like yeah. On a personal level, that sucks for your brain. You have a, your, your brains betraying you.
1: Well, no,
0: I wouldn't say losing, but I'd say being hyper concerned about the pitching. Because, I mean, the stats that Katie just gave us, I mean, those are those are truly alarming.
2: It's such a different animal. Just like we said, you have to take out all the games in Baltimore uh, versus Baltimore and all that stuff. Like, I don't know. I don't get those. I almost don't understand them or like why it's happening. So I just come and gone. Come What's and the gone. reason? Well. I don't I don't
0: I don't know Jim. I I do know this. I know there's one way that we could potentially combat some road pitching woes in the playoffs and that would be everyone's favorite the opener. Uh yeah. we've had we we've had some great success with the opener this year. Katie, you you gave us too many good topics this week. Um again, tweet at KT Sharp and thank her. Um, and we've got one great one that we're gonna push back to a later episode of sharp stats, but what we're gonna bring in i, I won't say the closer because we do have a sharpest stat of the week, but this is this is kind of a caneley out of vino Britain category, but they actually won't be opening for us, but Katie the opener it's it's getting a lot more play lately. Boone's talking about an impressors. obviously the Yankees record is good with it in you know a smaller sample size, but a sample size nonetheless. so Katie uh with the opener itself are are you feeling the opener should we should we be start getting excited about that road opener and throw out some of that road pitching numbers or what
1: um well i i don't know i'm a little bit mixed um as i am with a lot of things uh but but yeah so the stats look good but i'm going to try and explain why that the record looks good they are uh they've played uh 13 13 uh, opener games um and uh, they're 12 and 1 in those games and that one loss was that in Toronto uh, about a week ago or so um and uh so yeah so that that record looks fantastic um uh, but I've been tracking this all ye- uh, all season and um when you actually kind of boil it down and and the first thing I do want to say is that 13 games is ex- an extremely small sample so and the reason why I say that is because uh your perception can change from game to game because it is only 13 games. So actually, um, the way that the stats break out now is that they have a 4.54 ERA in opener games and a 4.35 ERA in other games. Uh, So right now, the ERA, and this is all pitching. It's not just for the opener guy or or whatever. This is the the team ERA is actually higher, about two-tenths of a run higher. When I looked at this before, um, uh, before Monday's game, which was an op- or yeah the, the second game of the doubleheader, but when I looked at it uh, before that, um, they were actually about two tenths of a run lower. Um, so that kind of shows you how uh, their 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 opener ERA was uh was about two tenths of a run lower than their other games ERA. So that kind of shows you how much these numbers can shift. Um, from game to game, but it's still worth noting that whether you look at it, whether it's a little bit higher, whether it's a little bit lower, it's not, you know, the, the stats say they're not actually getting an entirely great benefit on the pitching side. It's not like this guy is like sporting a four ERA, which is really good, um, in the, in the AL in case you didn't know. Um, but so, so that, that's, that's the pitching side. The thing that the dirty little secret is that the Yankees are averaging 7.7 runs per game in those opener games. Uh and about 5.7, uh, 5.8 in other games. Hmm. Uh, and that's the difference. These have been blowout. I mean, not 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 they've been up in blowouts, but for some reason the team just goes off on offense. Um, there's been four double-digit uh game runs uh the fewest runs they've scored is four uh so they haven't scored fewer than four in any game um with the opener and uh and that's i think that that's the reason why you see that record as twelve and one um because you'd expect them to lose a few more games based on the e r a that they've the e r a that they've pitched to and the amount of runs that they've given up um but based so on our- the number of runs they've scored it's just it's 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 helped, yeah. Obviously, are,
0: are we labeling it a little bit of fool's gold because it's two more runs per game, or is it Chad Green finally giving those pump up speeches that everyone's been talking about?
1: I don't know. Um, so what I did is I actually I also looked at um, the teams that we were playing in the, with these opener games, right? Oh, I'm interested. yeah. So it's actually um, it's actually a pretty good mix. There are uh, six of the games, six of the 13 games were against Boston, Tampa Bay, uh, Houston and Cleveland. Good teams, right? Yeah. So that leaves seven against not good teams, uh, which were the Orioles, the White Sox, the Royals and uh, and the Blue Jays. Um, And no team we've played more. We've done it more than twice against. So it's not like, you know of those seven against the bad teams, it's like five of them were the Orioles. It's just, it's a really even distribution across the number of teams, but that breakdown. So the six good teams that we've used it against and the seven bad teams, and you can't really say it's because we're just using it. You know, we're beating up on bad pitching staffs because obviously Houston and Cleveland and Tampa Bay have very good pitching staffs. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so those, so that I, that eliminated that theory. Um, but I, I really have no explanation other than to say it's a pretty small sample size. And I am a little bit worried that we won't be able to keep up that those 7.8 runs per game because no team has ever really done that again for an entire season, obviously. Um, uh, but anything can happen in 14 games. And, um, and I think what the problem with the ERA is actually Chad Green has been fantastic as an opener. Um, he's done. What is it now? Uh, I believe it's ten of the games. Uh, eleven, yeah, ten of the games or eleven of the games.
2: Holder um, has one, and Chad has the rest.
1: No, Holder and Tarpley have one, so it's he's done eleven. Tarpley opened first. Tar- yes, Tarpley did one opener. It was against hey. Boston, and it, it, that was in. Um,
2: Oh, those London, right, that was London. In, in London. London. Yes. Those don't count, Katie. Those aren't real. Okay,
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, then we got to take out the offensive stats. Anyways, <laughs> I don't feel like doing that. It happened. It's on the ledger. <laughs> um, but Chad Green, as an opener, has pitched to a 1.80 ERA. And that's actually uh, a little bit skewed because the first two times he was an opener, he gave up three runs in those two appearances over uh, two and two thirds innings. If you exclude that, he hasn't given up a single run. So in the other nine games, it's 12 and a third innings pitched for him, zero runs, four hits, four walks, and 22 strikeouts in those 11 games, or excuse me, nine games, nine most recent games as an opener. So Chad has been fantastic as the opener. It's what happens actually right after him. And it's the bolt, what I think people call like the The bolt guy. guy. And you get Nestor. You've gotten a a little, you got mostly Nestor. And he's been, he's not been good. Uh, As much as we love watching Nestor pitch and all the funky stuff that he does, he's been pretty terrible as that bolt guy.
2: Yeah, Um, well, I think we like to combine Chad and Nestor a lot. And Chad really saves Nestor there.
1: Exactly. Um, People have been calling, you know, have been citing the the Chester stat or or whatever you want to say it. But um, really what it is, it's, it's all Chad, and it's not good um, Nestor. And then you have, like, the the Mantiply, or however you say his name. I don't know. He's he's done. Um, and you have Tarpley in a couple of those. Um, the one that has been good and it did once was, was Luis Sessa. He he was a bull guy once. He didn't give up any runs. It was about four innings pitched. I don't have the game right now in front of me. Um, but... Um, but really, I think that those, the ERA numbers would be a little bit better if we actually pitched someone competent as that bulk guy. Which brings me to my next point is that in the playoffs, Nestor isn't going to be that bulk guy. Tarpley no. isn't going to be that bulk guy, right? Um, Chance Adams isn't going to be that bulk guy. He was for, I think, one or two of the games and he was horrible, um, you are going to have a much better pl- player in that situation, so I think that that four point five four ERA that I cited earlier is a little bit skewed as well, um, because of the guys that they throw out there. Um, when if we were using this in the playoffs, they wouldn't be doing it. Um, so that sort of gives me a little bit more optimism that this could actually this is could be a really good strategy in the playoffs, um, because that bulk guy could be Domingo Herman. Um it could be it could even be a guy like Tommy Canley. Or, you know, they could go to Sevi, maybe. I don't know what they're gonna do. But I'm so it's interested. gonna be someone better than Nestor Cortez or or Chance Adams or Steven Tarpley. Yeah. Maybe it's Sessa. I mean
2: Oh, don't, don't do hey. it. Don't do it, Kayleigh. I know, No, no, hey. no.
1: I didn't I didn't hey. do it. I am sorry. I'm not <laughs> a I don't I don't want Sessa in a high leverage situation either. Um, <laughs> but if you had to throw him out there as the bulk guy, because no one else could do it, he's the one I would want at this point. I'm not yeah. going there. I'm not going there, though. That's a, like a, a whole nother Sharp Stats episode, so we won't go down that, that wormhole. Yeah. Well, um, we do
2: have some fun other things planned for future Sharp Stats, so I'm excited about that. Are we always. ready for uh, Stat of the Day?
0: I'd say the the only thing I'd, I I want to get out there before Stat of the Day, and I I don't know if you guys have opinions on it, but... I, it, it really is wild. I've danced around it for a lot of the season, but Johnny Lasagna gets the call today. How how yeah, much yeah. can he show us in the next month and a half? Does Davey get the September call-up? Does he have any magic in his arm? And the Severino wild card is, is crazy itself, Katie. And, Jim, I think I, I might have fallen into something that can get you excited. I know one of your favorite things is when the starting pitcher passes the baton. Yep. Maybe maybe we could kind of get that feeling going with the Yankees bullpen in the postseason. Like, hey, all right, fourth inning, Canley, you're up. Yeah. Do your job.
2: Don't fuck you know, it up.
0: Dellen, are you healthy? Pass it along. Adovino, Britton, Chapman. It's crazy that if if this bullpen is right going through the playoffs, they can they can really do some excited things. So I just wanted to get that baton thing in your head, John.
2: Yeah, I like passing batons. Well, no, I was never a relay, relay racer.
0: It's actually tough, man. Yeah. I know, I know the track people get torn it. apart if, if you don't do it successfully, but it's kind of hard. Um, Katie, the final leg of our 4x100 meter. The sharpest stat with KT Sharp. What do you have for us today? I, I think it's about a friend of ours who some might say is otherworldly.
1: Uh, Otherworldly, as in God, as I, in Geo the God. Is that a good okay. one? I, right, I like it. Go. Yes. Let's go with Geo the God, and we're gonna we're gonna do this Geo the Two Strike God. Okay. So Ooh. we all know how awesome Geo is in two two strike counts. Uh, it's been it's been said many times in my many of my tweets. Uh, they are even starting to say it on the air at, uh, on the yes broadcasts, which is awesome. Um, so we know that he, I believe, he's got the highest batting average uh, of any player in two strike counts this year. Um, but what I wanted to do was just to have a little fun and compare what he's doing to historically to other Yankees. Um, so the the stat that I used um, is what's called a, a, a split OPS plus. So it's OPS plus, um, so I can compare to different errors. And what it does is it compares. His OPS in two strike counts uh, relative to the rest of the league. So it's one of those like, you know, uh, a 150 is like 50% better than the rest of the league. Um, an OPS better, 50% better than the rest of the league. We, we've talked about this. So Gio Urshela right now, and this is on Tuesday, he has a 209 uh, split OPS plus um, in two strike counts which basically means that he's twice as good as the uh, the league average hitter um, in those counts. So that, um, that's awesome. So going back to 1988, which is as far back as, uh, as baseball reference has sort of this pitch count, uh, pitch data, uh, pitch count data, um, there are four Yankees that have a, uh, a split OPS plus in two strong counts of at least 200. So twice as good as the league average. Um, and this is with, I, I, I think I did a minimum 100 plate appearances. Geo's up to about 190 right now, in case you're wondering. Um, so Geo and these three other guys have done this. Uh, Bernie Williams in 1999. He was at 203. Paul O'Neill in 1994 <sighs> at 209. And Jason Giambi in, in 2002 at uh, 217. Um, so Gio and those three guys... Um, that's the group. That's the stuff that he's doing right now, um, and you absolutely see it. You love it, and uh, you know, Go Geo the God.
2: Go Geo the God. He's the best.
0: It's, he's become. He's a folklore come to life. It yeah, kind of, right.
2: It's, a, it's an American hero. Colombian hero. Colombian hero. Colombian. Jim, hero. you know
0: Geo the God's birthday. Uh,
2: October eleventh, nineteen ninety nine.
0: October 11, not 99. Holy smokes! Um, Make
2: him really young. Make him like 19, 20. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be cool. Should we? Should we start that rumor? <laughs> Gio Rochelle is actually 19 years old. Uh, that's the only thing the folklore is missing right now. And yeah, Katie, I know they. Uh, I mean, those that st- that's that's incredible. And they were doing some of it on the uh, on the Yes Network last night. That it, what is it like hitting 290 within two strike counts and the league average 293 yeah the league average is a buck 70 or something like that I mean it's,
1: exactly
0: uh, every every stone you start to turn over on the Gio Shella thing is just it's it's really unbelievable and it's crazy that the metrics back it up and everything it's um it's it's why it's a beautiful sport how about that
2: yeah so is he? so he's got your birthday geo has got your birthday yeah. And dee has got oh, my birthday. Nice. So when they're at short and third, both our birthdays are represented. Wow. Katie, is there a Yankee with your birthday?
1: Katie? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I've never really looked.
2: Is your birthday it's August not... 4th?
1: No, that, that's Brett Gardner's birthday, right? No, no. Brett Gardner is sometime in August because it's uh, my, um, it's actually my niece's. It's my niece's birthday. It's Brett Gardner's birthday. August 24th. So shout out to my niece. Yeah. Shout out to my niece. Um the same uh same birthday as Brett what, Gardner. What month is your birthday um, in Katie? April. All right. April uh, let, seventeen is my birthday. So hey, feel free to write that down and tweet at me. Yeah, thanks. Write
0: that wow. down. Everyone
2: wow. has to get Katie a birthday present. No one has your birthday. Oh, okay, here man. are your two here are your two closest comps. April fourth okay. is Cameron Maben and mm-hmm. April twenty fifth is Louis Sessa. Mm-hmm. A
1: little bit. Now, if Sessa didn't exist, Aaron
2: Judge would be your closest with April 26th. Well, nice. oh, actually, Kyle Okashioka. So I'm, uh,
1: I'm sandwiched between <laughs> Maven and Judge. That's pretty cool.
2: I forgot. I didn't notice Higgy here. He's April 20th. So Higgy and, H- Higgy and, uh, Ma- Higgy and Maven. Higgy's not
1: on the I'm big cool. team right now. All right. Yeah, he's not on the roster, so he doesn't count. Perfect.
0: Well, speaking of the big team, Katie, this has been another great episode of shart stats you are our analytics department uh and you you bring it every time and you genuinely did give us too many topics to cover this show john
2: how you doing geo's two full years younger than you jake
0: well and we end on a sad note in in denver today um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Katie, thank you. Jimmy, no, thank you. So yes. many
2: of our young listeners aren't gonna realize how much of a dagger that is when you're yeah. old. You're That's uh it's fucking so
1: uh, it's, yeah. uh,
0: maybe I just haven't gotten my opportunity. No, I so have, and it's it's not good. Uh if you've been listening, thank you so much. Five stars tweet at Katie. Thank you so much for coming on. Um and and let's let's go Yanks. Is that what we say here? Tell them, Grams.
1: Go Yankees.